Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. I am so excited to give you guys a little background on this episode before we get right into it. So the reason... I wanted to record this episode with my amazing guest today is because we are getting into conquering problems of the body and mind, and I found her story to be so interesting, so fascinating, and I was so excited to virtually sit down with her today and record this episode and hear her story, her tips, her struggles, how she overcame them, and all the tips that went along with that, but more importantly, because I have also dealt with this myself. I have also had to conquer problems related to body and mind, the connection there, and overcoming those different things. And specifically related to that is diving into unresolved trauma and what that does to the quality of our life and our relationships and letting that unresolved trauma remain where it is. And my guest today breaks down what she did to overcome her unresolved traumas and how that was for her, what that experience was like for her. So she gets into that. And I'm super excited that she does that with me, breaks it down for me and had had this conversation with me because I feel like it's very important to get into this because there are probably more people than we realize who we are in contact with almost every day who may be struggling with this or may have struggled with this or dealt with this at some point in their life. And hearing about this topic could be so helpful and so beneficial in so many ways. And another thing that I wanted to get into is she also has a book we will be discussing. We'll be talking about why she wrote the book, what the story is, what the inspiration was behind the book. So I'm excited to get into that later on in the episode. But the primary focus is also we're going to get into people-pleasing and perfectionism. And a way that my guests used to use these two things as a way to keep people at arm's length and not have to deal with childhood traumas. So using people-pleasing and perfectionism as a coping mechanism and what that really looked like for her at the time and what that is like for her now reflecting back on that time in her life and giving me 
insight on that and advice on what she did to overcome that habit. And she did, she went through actually a lot of different things because she has struggled as I, as I will let you guys know later on in this episode, in the intro that's going to be coming up, you'll hear who she is, what she's all about. But this episode is a great one if you want to learn more about the mind-body connection, overcoming unresolved traumas, childhood traumas, what, what, how, to, how to go about that, what those experiences are like, and hearing it through my guest story, I was so glad to feature and have come on for you guys. So I hope that you enjoy this episode, like all my episodes that I put out for you guys. And as always, I love nothing more than hearing from you. So if you, if you want to, you of course can go and shoot me a message. You can check me out on Instagram at Crooked Illness and let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know what you, what your thoughts are, what your feelings are. Love to hear about it. And that's it guys. We're going to get right on into this one. So let's do it. Hello guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. As you guys can see from the title, we are going to be getting into conquering problems of the body and mind. Joining me in this conversation today is my guest, Debbie Emick. Debbie approached me to be a guest, and I'm so glad she did because she shared an incredible story with me of being a survivor of multiple chronic illnesses and autoimmune disease. She is also the author of The Other Side of Perfect, Discovering the Mind-Body Connection to Healing Chronic Illness. I'm excited to have Debbie here to chat with me about this topic today, share her story with us all, and offer some incredible insights. So without further ado, welcome Debbie to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Paris. It is my pleasure completely to be here. I'm so grateful for the chance to talk to you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here today to dive into this because like I mentioned, you shared such an awesome story with me and I'm so excited to feature that. So before we get right into that, I would love if you could share with us a little background on you and your story. Sure. Um, so about 10 years ago, I started navigating the process of autoimmune disease diagnosis. Um, going through that, I, I was a teacher. I had been a classroom teacher for about 14 years and started having some severe symptoms that I couldn't uh, ignore any longer after having my daughter uh, about a year prior. And so um, just started going through those, those waters. Anyone who knows uh, has been diagnosed with autoimmune disease or has some chronic illnesses, that is a long and winding road. And usually one diagnosis leads to multiple diagnosis. So um, through the course of that, just working on controlling what I could to try to heal my body. And so I focused on nutrition and then on exercise and then on sort of eliminating um, some toxicity in, you know, the chemicals I use, the products I use around my house and on my body, put into my body, uh, worked on adding some some good supplements. Um, and finally, after a conversation with one of my doctors, decided to try leaving my, my job to eliminate stress and thinking that would be like the magic bullet that would solve all my problems and I would get better and heal. And it wasn't until after that that I found myself in my deepest, darkest place. And so um, 
the book and and the healing after that is sort of my way of clawing myself out of that dark place and never wanting to go back and it just so happened that working on my mental and emotional health also helped physically heal my body and and eliminate some of the pain that i was feeling so often so wow i i just think that's incredible and probably the most amazing thing that you brought up right there and then also in our previous conversation is the magic bullet idea of kind of searching for that right and like you said you already mentioned you know changing your diet changing your exercise and adding in different things taking out different things that were toxic doing all of these things that you that you think okay if i do this it'll be good. Everything's going to be great. All right. Didn't work. We'll try this. And it's, it's almost like, you know, searching for this one magic thing that's going to bring about all these solutions and just make everything better. But that really wasn't the case. And I think that's just, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I feel like there's probably a lot of people who do that, who search for that and say, you know, okay, this is the problem. I'm going to fix that. Then it's all going to be all going to be good. But what was your experience like with the search you embarked upon looking for that magic bullet? What was that like? Yeah. So now in retrospect, I can see each one is sort of like peeling a layer that I had, you know, maybe surrounded myself in. Um, Food was the most obvious one, though my medical doctors to that point hadn't even suggested I work on food, but I was feeling so sick. I had like nine prescription medications I was taking every day, three times a day, that I really just subsisted on uh, Hershey's bars and Diet Pepsi. And so at that point, my husband was like, dude, you got to do something about this. It's, it's going to help at least. And so, so yeah, I, I worked on my food first thinking like, oh, this is it. This will solve all my problems. Right. And then I would just step to the next one, try the next one thinking this will solve all my problems. This will solve all my problems until eventually it was like, man, I tried everything I knew to try. And looking back now, those were all superficial things, right? Like they may not be easy for everyone to work on, but they're pretty simple. Eliminate foods that um, create inflammation or that you're allergic to, or that you just know there's no nutrient density in. Uh, That's pretty simple. It It may not be easy to do. And so what happened as I went through those steps, um, I unconsciously at that point didn't realize that Uh, some coping mechanisms, uh, some ways of living that I had attached to because of some repressed emotions and trauma from my childhood were um, perfectionism and people pleasing. And so working on my diet and my exercise and those things just allowed me to like ramp up that perfectionism, ramp up the people pleasing so that I was like, really over controlling my food. And, and when it all was said and done, almost like exercising to a punishing amount where it was, I just kept using those as more layers of perfectionism or people pleasing. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The, that's crazy. Cause the fact that you, so you you were doing these things, right. That you thought would help make things better, eliminate certain issues. So you worked with the food, the exercise, Mm -hmm. and then, and then that turned into another thing, right. That we were having to deal with these, this perfectionism and doing these things and saying, okay, well, I'm feeling better. I'm, I'm looking better. I'm going to keep doing this. And then, and then having that become an issue. And then I think is so interesting because it's almost like, 
you know, you're trying all these things that we, we hear about all the time, you know, when every time you turn the TV on or like go online, you know, you know, try this diet, do this workout routine, try these different things. And you were doing all of these things, which are great, but then leading to more issues and more stuff with like the perfectionism, perfectionism aspect. And I think that's such an important point because that's what we talked about. And we got into this conversation last time on this topic, right? On perfectionism and how that's tied into the whole thing and the relationship it has. So I would love if you could talk about, you know, what was this like and why do you think so many people, you know, struggle with this? Or what do you think so many, why, why do you think so many people have different issues that might be somehow rooted in perfectionism? Sure. So I think that's a a much deeper question than maybe it appears outwardly, right? Yes. The reason I had used perfectionism was it was almost like my addiction, right? So I had um I had some trauma from my childhood that I had never really dealt with, just superficially like I'm a positive person and I'm forgiving, forgive and move on and put a smile on and just go on with your life. And that I definitely had tried some other things that maybe some people might get addicted to that are, are not socially acceptable, but those made me feel out of control. Perfectionism and people playing, people like that, right? That's the whole thing. That's the whole point. Uh, I thought I was perfect, but I could control people. I could keep them at an arm, arm's length, like unconsciously, right? Not, not some conscious thing I was doing, but it was a way of controlling my environment that didn't make me feel out of control like other addictions. And then what happens is people like that, people support that, and that just sort of feeds that. So the, the longer time goes on, the more refined that gets and the more unconscious I think you become to that behavior. And it wasn't until there was something, you know, this moment where I, I didn't really play out like uh, any sort of um, suicide, but I definitely had thoughts that were like, it would be much better if I had an illness that took me quickly rather than this one that's going to be long and drawn out. Um, and so from the other side of that, I could see like how deep and dark that was. And, and then I was able to start examining my life a little bit deeper, but it, I, it wasn't until I saw like, whoa, that got really low. And I don't want to get that low again because I knew I have two daughters and I didn't want to perpetuate whatever cycle had created this in me. I wanted to be able to break that cycle for them. I couldn't really find the worthiness in myself at the time. So um, yeah, it was really just that dark moment that, that was able to begin making me conscious of this. But I would call it a, um, an addiction. It's the same type of behavior, definitely a coping mechanism, a way of keeping people away um, rather than letting them in and seeing the real me. Wow. I think the most interesting part about that was the aspect of control that you brought up, a feeling like you were losing control in these other areas. So having that as a way of having some control. So you're not feeling so completely out of control in all these areas and all these different things that you're dealing with, with the illnesses and with the autoimmune disease and having something that you can control or, or just feel like 
you have a say in what's going on, I think mm-hmm. is the, the piece because that's kind of what I take away away from that. You know, when I used to like really like people pleasing, perfectionism, like ch- looking back at like, you know, ways I used to be and like really trying to examine that and say, why was it like that? And it come, it boiled, boil, when you boil it down, I feel like, I feel like it could be different for everybody, but from at least what I'm taking away from you and, and your story and your experience is that aspect of control. And mm-hmm. I just think that's such an interesting part to bring up because you know, I didn't think that was going to be part of our conversation at all when we got into this. You know, I thought we were going to focus on, you know, your story with the with the chronic illnesses and the autoimmune disease and what that was like and how you overcame that and what you learned from those experiences. But I thought it was so helpful that you tied that piece in there because that's just, like you said, you know, another layer that mm-hmm. you were peeling back from that experience and really discovering and diving deeper into and gaining more of an understanding of why that was there and why that was going on and where is this people pleasing coming from and all these different things. So I think that's an awesome point that you just got into right there. Uh, But another thing that I would love you to talk to me about is the mind body connection and the role that that played for you when it came to healing. Yeah. So it's all related, right? Uh, The perfectionism, the people pleasing, and then these things through my, that happened in my childhood that I never dealt with are, are really the foundation of why I, I developed that personality essentially, or those coping mechanisms and all of these other things that, that are not bad. So I'm not trying to say like working on the food you're eating and making sure it's nutritious and actually serves your body. That's great. Uh, Getting your heart rate up and moving your body and loving your body. That's great. That's important. All of those things are really important, but I could never really get to the heart of healing if I didn't get to the heart of these things that were going on with me mentally and emotionally. And so um, there were a few things that were going on at the same time, right? I, I had quit my job. I was feeling low. I, I was feeling without purpose. Um, and so trying to go through that and come out of that, um, I was reading a lot. I was um, trying to learn to develop worthiness and, and self-love and, and also heal the physical pain that was going on in my body. And so I was reading, um, from authors like Brene Brown, um, Glennon Doyle. And, and so they, through that, I started working on shame and recognizing this perfectionism, people pleasing behavior pattern. Um, And at the same time, I was still working on physically healing my body. So I went to someone in my area. um, I live in a really rural area of Colorado. And so she's called a chiropractor. That's like an accessible term where where we live. But she does a lot more than that. Um, She might be called a healer somewhere else. So I went to her and I just wanted probiotics. Like I wanted to work on healing my digestive system, thinking that would heal my body. Um, which again, there's a big, strong connection there. A lot of research to, to prove that, but she kind of saw through that and she did help me find a probiotic and work on like healing leaky gut, but she also did some somatic work with me. Um, so she saw past this like superficial layer and she's the one who kind of opened up that connection between my past and the physical pain I was feeling in my body. So when she first started doing that, it was really uncomfortable. I didn't like 
like it. I didn't want to go there. And so I went out sort of looking for skeptics, right? Like I asked my husband, I asked a good friend. I was like, this is crazy, right? I shouldn't be doing this. Like, what is this? And um, they were both like, hey, you've tried everything else. Like, what would it hurt? Why not try it? So I kept going back and working with her. And I did start to feel some of the physical pain that I was holding in my body decrease and eventually parts of it just leave altogether. And so I was able to make this real connection between I'm never going to be able to physically heal if I don't mentally and emotionally heal. And for me, that meant sort of resurrecting these things from my past that I had never dealt with. And then it, luckily for me, I, I also started discovering writers like Bessel van der Kolk, a doctor who wrote When the Body Keeps the Score, and um, Gabor Mate, who wrote the body, When the Body Says No. And both of those books show this real connection between our nervous system, putting our nervous system in fight or flight mode. Uh, various traumas could do that or just the way that we live in this busy, like fast paced world. Um, and the chemical and hormonal reactions those create in our body that long-term causes disease and illness, right? Heart disease, lung disease, those kinds of things. And so I was just using my intuition, taking the next step one at a time and, and, and having all of these things sort of present themselves to me at the right time. And that gave me permission to work on my mental, emotional health to heal my body physically. And, and it just happened to actually really help with physical pain. Wow. Would you, would you probably say that that was the most helpful piece? Because I think, you know, hearing all the things that you tried and all the different things that you tried out, that you were trying to practice daily, eliminate different toxic habits and things like that. But I feel like, you know, when you bring up the unresolved traumas and also the books you're reading about how your body keeps a score and kind of your body remembers those things. But when you never deal with them, I feel like the most powerful part from what you just said is how uncomfortable you were in the beginning. When, when you're the practitioner you were seeing was bringing up this stuff and trying to work through this with you, of course, mm -hmm. because I feel like that's, you know, at least from my own experience, I can say that's how I felt, you know, with bringing up different trauma, you feel, you feel uncomfortable. You don't, sometimes you don't want to go there. You don't feel like you're ready. And I feel like part of the thing too, that might be a, an issue is just feeling like you won't ever be ready. And then eventually convincing yeah. yourself, right. That you can't talk about this. You just need to, you know, push through it, tr keep mm -hmm. trying different things. And that's what you were doing, you know, doing all the, all these different things, nutrition, exercise, doing all these things that you were doing on a daily basis, but then not really, like you said, not really resolving that underlying trauma, but also not wanting to go there. So I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to ask you if, do you think that was probably one of the most helpful things that you tried in really discovering this mind-body connection and really being able to write the book that you wrote and work on that and do that? And was, was that the most helpful piece it, healing these unresolved traumas? Yeah, I would say for me that really, I couldn't find healing without doing that. Um, but now I'm able to use that to make a practice out of all of those other things that are much more about loving myself and my body than were before about like perfecting and pleasing others. So, you know, part of the healing is finding a worthiness in myself, loving myself for lack of a better term. I know that's so overused right now, but, um, 
loving myself enough to do this work for me and take care of it for me. So at first I just had to do it for my daughters because I, I did not ever want to see them in this place I found myself in. But, um, yeah, now I'm able to use food to love myself and love my body, right? I'm able to use movement and exercise to love myself and love my body as like an active meditation or because I care about myself, I do it. I don't punish myself with it. Um, and I, I meditate and journal. And so that was a big part of healing. Like you're saying that was really important. And that was the first step to writing the book. There's a lot of evidence that, um, just journaling for 20 minutes a day for a certain amount of time, not forever, not for the rest of your life can do as much as therapy. So there's a reason I hadn't worked on it, right? I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to deal with it. That was the last thing I tried. But for me, I couldn't have healed without that. And I don't know now, you can't say where I would have been had I not actually dealt with that, but I can only imagine, you know, it was pretty deep and dark. And had I not gone there and actually dealt with the things I didn't want to deal with, I don't know where I'd be now, but I don't think it would be a good place. So, so doing that helps me also do all the other things that take care of my body, that allow my body to heal, have a healthy immune system in a healthy way that supports me. Does that answer wow. your question? Yes, that is perfect. I love, I love it. I love all of it. And the fact that you were able to go there, like you said, you know, feeling in the beginning, very uncomfortable, don't want to dive into this stuff. Don't even want to bring it up. But I think the fact that you were able to do that and you did do that and you accomplished it is just like you said, you know, you don't know where you would have been if you hadn't done it. You can only imagine where you would have been. And I think that's very, you know, huge to just have that ability to do that because it definitely is difficult and it definitely isn't something that's easy. Um, it, it is challenging, but the, but the results of being able to work through that, like you said, you know, are so evident through, you know, the conversation we had and then also the messages in your book, which I, I want to get into as well. I know we had one more question, but I'm going to ask, I'll ask you that. Then I'll ask you about, about the book. Cause I really want to like dive into that as well. Cause that's just amazing to me that you, that you put the work in and use your story to transform that into a piece of something that people can access and get into. So I'm going to ask you about that too. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you, you know, what has been the most impactful lesson you have learned so far, either from the lowest moment you have experienced or the best moment? Ah, that's a big question, Paris. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll just get real basic with it, right? The biggest lesson is about becoming conscious of these patterns and routines, both behavioral and also just the, the self-talk, the stories I was telling myself, what I was saying to myself. And so I think the biggest lesson is just awareness. We can't change anything unless we become aware of it, right? I think it's Carl Jung who said, um, until we make the unconscious conscious, we'll, um, we'll like cr develop our lives around it and we'll call it fate or something. I know I'm butchering that. I know like, what you're, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. I feel like I do that a lot with quotes too, but I, I totally get your point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that to me, that's step one. That's it. Like just become aware, just be the observer of your behavior patterns 
the the talk that is going on in your mind um, without judging it, just become aware and then learn to uh, detach from it, right? So I know now that I am not my body. I am not my illness. I am not my pain. Uh, just the same way that I am not my house. I am not my car. I am not my job. None of those things are me. I existed before all of those things and I still exist you know, somewhere the soul of me is beneath all of that. And so I am also not that voice in my head that's telling me all these mean things or untrue things or shooting all over me, all of that, right? So I would say those are my, those are the lessons I still use every day. Just be aware uh, without judgment and then detach from those, from whatever that story is. Awareness and detachment. I love it. Love that. Those lessons, those are huge. And of course, you know, those can take time to learn and to get there. But like you said, you know, once you're able to do that and to have that, it's just so incredible, you know, just with the way, just the way the quality of your life improves as a result of that, I think is so impactful and important. But the one, the last thing I want to talk to you about before we end this episode here is your book. The Other Side of Perfect, Discovering the Mind-Body Connection to Healing Chronic Illness. So tell me, you know, what was, I, I can probably imagine, but I want to hear it from you. What was the inspiration and what was the, what was, what was it like, you know, the first idea that popped into your head of wanting to write this book? What was that moment like? Yeah. So I have to say at first it was just no pressure. It was just the thought of if all I get from this is say like a journaling exercise that helps me heal, then it's worth it. Um, but then it became a practice that helped me also create boundaries, uh, develop as a person, you know, continue to heal. And it turned into like a love letter to my younger self. If I could read it before I went down any of these roads, hopefully it would help me heal. And then um, maybe a message to little sister or you know, hopefully helping someone along the way before they get here. Um, and so it's everything we've been talking about. It, it goes back into my childhood, uh, brings up some of the things that I never wanted to address or deal with, and then walks the reader through um, all these different layers I peeled to heal and where I'm at today and what that looks like today. And, and as I wrote it and went along, I also created some journal prompts after some of the chapters to hopefully help the reader do their own healing as as they come along with me through the book and um from that came like a 30-day companion journal that um that goes along with it for anyone that wants to do their own healing wow well. i think that's so awesome that you included you know in the book the journal prompts for people to really be able to you know, write out their feelings or what they think or what they're going through and really walk through your story with you. That's so cool. And, you know, I was so excited. Even when we talked that one day on the phone, I was like, I am excited to hear this lady's story. I know it's going to be so amazing. And just the fact that you did this and you were, and I think that's awesome. Just the vulnerability component of that, because, you know, it takes a lot um, to put to put your story out there and to put these moments out there that you never wanted to get into it's uh, at one point in your life but doing that and realizing how 
powerful that has been for you and how much that has helped you and how much that can potentially help other people. You know, if they can read that and relate to certain aspects of your story and really feel a connection there and say, you know what, maybe I can get through whatever it is that I've dealt with or I've you know, been dealing with because this, this lady did, you know, she, mm. she wrote a book, she did this. So maybe I can do that. And I, I really love that, you know, just that whole aspect of really restoring hope in people and just, just having, like having something to check out that is real. Like you live mm. this, this is your life, your experiences and what they have done to shape you into who you are. And that's, that's really what I love about people the most who come on here is just hearing their like lowest moments and like, what did that do to you? What did you learn from that? And like, how did that help transform you into the way you are now into how you think now into how you, you just, all of it, I think is so incredible. So, you know, I'm excited, you know, for this episode, I'm excited for the book. I'm excited about you. I'm excited about all uh, of it. So <laughs> yeah. Well, so thank I, you so <laughs> much. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's it. That's like the greatest hope, right? That our struggle could help someone else. And that's all part of the healing. There is no healing if you're still holding shame. So I can't really heal if I don't expose the real me and become vulnerable. And hopefully that helps other people, uh, you know, but it definitely helps me. So thank you for all your generosity and kindness. I really appreciate yes, it. Of course. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who is listening today, or if it's nighttime, daytime, whatever time you guys are tuning into this, you got to hear Debbie's story today, which was so powerful and so many awesome tips and things that she has shared with us today. I'm so excited about that. So I just want to say goodbye to you guys and also to goodbye to Debbie. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Paris. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.